Okay, I started recording. Um, I guess I'll do an introduction. All right. Hello, uh, this is Rachel Seema here with Sean Pierre. That's the... That's, <laughs> oh, that's, you're going to do the interview. Yeah, that's the way it works, right? Oh, wait, you're interviewing me? I thought I was interviewing you. Oh, well, uh, I have to put this in now because it's funny, <laughs> it's funny banter, right? Yeah, witty banter. Hi, this is Sean, and uh, welcome to a Philly Game Mechanics uh, podcast. I'm here with Rachel Seema. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Or tonight? Or I mean, I'm okay considering the circumstances. Considering the circumstances. Actually, let's start with that. How are you holding up um, with everything that's going on? Um, I'm okay. I am lucky enough that I get to work from home. So that's nice, um, but I have to work from home, so that's not as nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, actually, uh, what do you, talk about what you do, and um, and I guess what you do in the office, and then why working at home makes it a little bit more difficult or troublesome. Yeah. So my job, uh, or my title, I guess you could say, is um, I'm an associate producer at Deck Nine Games, which is a game studio in Colorado. Um, and as a producer, your job is um, primarily to make sure that video games get shipped, but also to make sure that your team stays healthy and happy and motivated the whole way through. Um, so it's a lot of like putting out fires and um, helping people get unblocked when things are in their way of doing work. Um, and the reason that can be a little difficult um, when you're remote is just that finding issues is a lot harder. Um, and it's a lot easier for little things to go missing. Um, organization is just more spread out. Um, and it's not as easy as walking up to someone's desk and asking them what they're up to. So how many people do you normally interact with on a, any given day? So my team's... Uh, I work with the animation and cinematics teams and the animation team on my project is uh, about 11 or 12 people. And then the cinematics team uh, is five to six people. And then we have um, a few other people that I work with as well that fall under like various categories. So I probably work with about 20 people. Um, and then we have a studio of, almost a hundred people. Oh. And I talk with probably at least 50% of the people in the studio every day. Do you get to yell at anybody? I mean, never. Would you yell? Maybe at like, <laughs> maybe to tell them what a good job they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what if they get worried that you're yelling at them in an angry way? Well, I don't know. I, don't I know. try to keep my, in, I try and keep an inside voice. I guess that's yeah, probably best. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, how long you've been there and how long have you been out of Philly now? Okay, so I moved in May. So I've been here for 10 months. Oh, wow. Okay. But it feels like simultaneously I've been here for like three weeks and also like 30 years. Uh, this last month um, being 10 years. Yeah. I've been working on the same project since I moved here. Um, and so that's been a lot. Um I guess it just feels like I've been working on the same thing forever, um, but it won't be going on forever. Uh, but I like it here. I mean, Colorado is a really nice place. Um, there isn't a big game scene here. It's pretty much, you know, the studio that I work at and then a couple like mobile studios 
and Serenity Forge, who helped work on um, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Have you heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Z, the um, guy who runs Serenity Forge, is really nice. I've met him at a few events. So uh, I would say they're the other, like, mid-size studio. Um, They're pretty small. But I guess I consider us mid-size, and we're almost 100 people. Um, But, yeah, there isn't a ton of other companies here. Is there a lot of um, company interaction? I mean, do do you all ever get together um, just casually to hang out and do a bunch of stuff, or do mostly to see everybody every once in a while? There are events um, in the area. So, unlike Philadelphia, as you could imagine, Colorado is a little more spread out. Um, so, there's two big cities, Boulder and Denver, and they're like 30 minutes away from each other, um, and People just in general are pretty spread out here. So it, it makes it a little more difficult to like get people together. But there is an organization called SIGDA, which is Colorado Independent Game Developers Association. Um, and there's a couple meetups that happen around here um, that I try and make it out to. But it's definitely a little different, I think, than the way companies interact in Philly, where everyone's pretty like scrappy and, and little. Scrappy in a good way? Scrappy in a good way. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a good energy there of people being very willing to just kind of like share each other's secrets. And there aren't a lot of people who are under like NDA, right? Mm -hmm. Like going to events here isn't as fun because I can't really talk about anything I'm working on. Wow. Whereas, you know, when I used to work at PHL Collective, there were some things that I could talk about. Um, Obviously, some of the work we did was under NDA, but... um, we weren't working for a huge publisher like Square Enix, which is who we're working with now. Oh, that's that's exciting. How is well, I mean, as how is working with a large studio like that? I mean, you could say, you know, as much as you're allowed to say, I guess. I actually really like our partners um, at Square Enix. I think they're all really lovely. And I would say if you can if you get to choose a publisher, like if you think about, you know, the ideal of what you could get, they're pretty close to ideal. They're really great people. Do you ever get to meet them in person or I, I guess they're not? Yeah, they come out to visit. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. From London. Do they all have accents? They do. Okay. It's uh, very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, then, I mean, yeah, you're talking about Philly. I mean, what have you taken away from the Philadelphia community or your time in Philadelphia and brought to you with Colorado that – that you found useful and helped you get work done or interact with other people. Right. I think there's a sense of, uh, like in Philadelphia and I think the East coast in general that especially, um, since I only very briefly went to college and like knew that I was kind of signing up, um, for like, I guess hustling, as you would say, when I dropped out of college, Uh, There's a sense of, like, nothing's going to happen for you unless you make it, right? Um, And I think the game industry has a lot of luck involved, as in, you know, you know people, you have privilege by being able to, you know, support yourself on maybe a lower income, or you get to wait around to wait for the right jobs. Um, But I think um, you kind of have to be ready for opportunities when they come, And one way you can do that is by like getting all the experience you can. Um, And that's definitely something that I think Philadelphia instilled in me, that everyone there who was doing what they wanted to do um, was doing that just because 
that's what they thought like would get them there. Uh, like everyone who's found success in Philadelphia has found it like a, a lot of times just kind of like off their own backs, you know, like there isn't a lot of big like money there or like huge opportunities coming in. Um, and people are just kind of making the best of their situation, which I think has been really useful for me moving to, you know, Colorado, like there's, there's a kind of like Midwest vibe here mm-hmm. where people are kind of, um, a little more passive, I guess. And I get comments a lot like at work or, um, when I'm at like game, you know, events that I'm, I'm very like aggressive, which I think some people can find off putting, <laughs> but it's also very like, you know, it's how I get things done. It's how I stand out and how I think, um, I've kind of progressed in the industry. So you're saying Philly has helped you become intimidating. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the reputation that I have <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, earlier you mentioned putting out fires. I mean, what is the normal procedure for putting out fires? I'm, I'm assuming there are different types of fires that you need to put out and each of them require um, uh, different solutions. Um, but is there a general guideline that you follow or... Or, um, you know, is there each fire requires a specialized solution with nothing carried over from other problems? Um, yeah, I think one of the things about production is that it's really hard to get good at being a producer until you are like hands on being a producer. Um, like I was never a people person, um, personally, and what I was good at was like organizing and um, just jumping into problems and like getting hands on with them. But I think as I've become better at my job, I've realized that there are ways to solve problems that actually empower the people around you. Um, So if you see, you know, a deliverable slipping, right? And maybe you know how to do the thing that needs to get done. The best solution is not always to jump in and do that thing. Maybe it's to find the person whose responsibility was to do it, talk to them about why it's not getting done and what you can do to support them um, in, in getting it done. Um, and I think that shows a level of like uh, support for the person who wants to do their best work. Um, and it allows people to feel like they have more ownership over the things that they're doing. Um, but I think, yeah, every case is different and I think it's easy to get lost in the, uh, in the fray of trying to get deliverables out and get your publishers, you know, expectations met, but keeping, you know, the trust of your team and making sure that the people around you feel empowered and like their work is being appreciated is really important too. That was kind of a non-answer. Sorry. (laughs) Well, no, that's a great answer. Like, a, I guess an example of a fire would be like, yeah, things things aren't getting done on time, or um, let's see, uh, there's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you, what we yeah, yeah, you have to solve the pandemic on your own, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but really, when we went work from home, because uh, we're all remote now, like production was the one who stepped in to help make that happen. Like we were supporting, obviously we didn't do the IT work to make it happen, yeah. but when there were problems, we were, you know, forwarding people to the right groups or, um, you know, answering questions that we knew how to answer, whatever. So because you're dealing uh, with different teams, I guess uh, the question is how many languages 
do you need to speak? I mean, you, do you need to understand a lot of what every department does or do you need to understand a little bit just enough to communicate to other teams? Um, for example, you know, you need to take terms that the developers would use and speak to the artists in ways that they would understand. Um, and not saying the artists wouldn't understand, but, you know, sometimes it's easier for someone else to do the translating. I mean, if that's a question that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a case-by-case case basis because sometimes what your job is is to get the right people in the same room to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes you're kind of acting as an ambassador for your team. So sometimes I'll go to meetings um, in place of like our animation lead and people will ask me questions like, well, what do you think is more expensive, doing it this way or this way? Um, and I should know the answer to that. So I think... Um, it's really important the way that our studio is structured to have a really strong like expertise um, around the teams that you serve. Um, so for me, it's cinematics, which is all about like putting cameras in places and making uh, you know the cinematography look incredible, the lighting look great, and everything, which is something I knew nothing about before I came here. Um, like film was totally foreign to me, so um, that was a big learning curve. And it's been really interesting to learn about that. And then I work with the animation team, which I knew like a little bit about um, from my time, you know, at PHL and other studios. But this is a very different type of animation um, where we work off of, you know, like mocap data. And the pipeline is so complex. Um, Like it really takes months to learn how everything gets made. And it's a really valuable expertise to have like moving forward I feel so lucky to have had this experience and to learn this like really intricate pipeline um, for the future. But yeah, I mean, and I know a little bit about, I would say most of the teams um, in the studio and it's kind of like that institutional knowledge that you collect over the whole pipeline that makes production so valuable. So you said you didn't know much about film, but I'm guessing you know a lot more. Did you watch a lot of movies to prepare for this or do you see things now in movies that or even other games that, you know, you understand um, better now after doing all this? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like, I really never thought about the fact that there was someone who placed a camera in every, like, cinematic in a video game, which sounds so silly, but it's just not something I ever thought of as, like, being someone's job. Um, And now I watch cinematics, and I'm like, oh, okay. Also, I've learned terms like cowboy shot. Do you know what that means? Um... It's when a cowboy takes the camera and films. That's right. Yeah. How do you know? You know. No, it's like when you show everything from like the belt up because in like old cowboy movies, they wanted to show the gun. uh, Oh. Yeah. And so like fun little like weird things like that. Just like it's interesting to learn. You are learning so much in Colorado. (laughs) That's the most valuable information I've learned. (laughs) I mean, speaking about Colorado, I mean, I mean, I know the oxygen's different there. Uh, do you feel stronger when you come back to places with more oxygen? You can hold your breath longer. Really? Yeah, if you, like, hold your breath underwater, it's, like, pretty noticeable. Well, I it's guess pretty interesting. How long did it also, take you? Yeah. It takes you about two weeks to acclimate. Okay. But also, um, bread rises differently here. Um, and water boils at a lower temperature. Oh, really? Yeah, so when you cook pasta, 
like, you know, you boil water, you put the pasta in, you have to cook the pasta longer because the water isn't as hot. Huh. Well, okay. Yeah. Have you figured out the bread thing, though? No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't tried that hard. I'm going to be honest. I've cooked other, I've baked other things, though. Okay. Well, all like, right. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. All right. Well, let's, um, I mean, you've answered a lot of great questions. Um, I guess we could end on a less... Well, no, actually, we do one more game-related question. Um, what are you playing right now? Oh, you know what I'm playing. Right now I'm playing Animal Crossing. Really? I've and never heard of it. <laughs> you would have never known. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm having so much fun. I feel like it's fate that it like came out <laughs> during this horrible time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... And my my uh, coworkers are trying to convince me to play Warcraft three, but that feels like not. I'll like lose my whole life to Warcraft three if I start playing that yeah. during the pandemic. And it's not Animal Crossing. I mean, and it's not. It's not Animal Crossing. Yeah. Have you convinced yeah. anyone to play Animal Crossing? Um. Yeah. My boss's mom. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, that was the answer to your question. Yeah, I know. It's just I didn't didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. All right. Catherine and I are pals. <laughs> <laughs> Invite us both over, and then we could all hang out, and I could yeah. steal your flowers. Um, all right. Yeah. And one final question I have for you. Um, it's kind of broad, but give me one recommendation about anything that you find interesting that you want other people to know about. Oh my God. Yeah, it could be anything. So something you're into that you really want other people to, you know, know about or maybe get into, not Animal Crossing. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go with the thing that I always go with. Oh, you mean like a like a? Ooh. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be games. Right. It doesn't have to. It could be food. It could be. Let me think about this first. Socks. Um. Well, I've been reading some good books lately. Can I talk about a book? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, let's see. Right now, I'm I'm reading um, the Price of Everything, which is a book about like how prices are dictated in like a capitalist society and how they're dictated in other societies as well. Um, but it's interesting because one of the chapters in the book um, is about the price of human life. And how like healthcare companies and the government have put like a dollar amount on like how much one life is worth and how every country has a different value. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Uh, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. The, whole, the book as a whole is like really interesting. Um, it goes beyond like the basics of like supply and demand. And it's about like, you know, how prices come to be for like all like a huge variety of things in the world all right that was i mean at first it started down, <laughs> yeah. yeah it started out like interesting and happy and then that got you yeah, really sad right. but, but the no. book is called the price of everything awesome i'll put links to that in the show notes because that's what people cool. do with podcasts yeah <laughs> all right well thank you that's all i have for you today thank you for joining us and answering these questions Cool. And I just want to say, like, as a as a afterword mm-hmm. that I feel like I owe a ton to the Philadelphia game community um, from the time that I, like, 
you know, as a little baby game developer in high school um, to when I started going to game mechanics and then I joined the IGDA, I ran for the board and then joined, you know, organizing game mechanics. Like, I think I learned pretty much all of the valuable skills that I used to get the job I have now and um, the kind of skills that I'll use moving forward. Um, and I just want to send out a shout out that I think anyone in Philly has the opportunity to build some of, you know, the skills that you need to become a professional and you are in one of the best like hotbeds of like passion and, you know, active game development in the whole country. Well, those are some very kind words for the people of Philadelphia. Yeah. And um, I'll make sure each one sends you a thank you letter. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> I think they should send you a thank you letter because I think a lot of the awesome stuff that happens there is... I'm going to edit you know. this part out. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of Sean. Uh, I might not. We'll see. Uh, okay. I'll just change the name that you say. <laughs> okay. Well, right. thank you, and um, talk to you in the future. All right. Bye. Bye.